0: listening to the Arkansas AgCast, where we discuss the latest news, trends, and issues impacting Arkansas farmers and ranchers.
1: Our show is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation and hosted by Rob Anderson and Jason Brown. All right, it's Jason Brown with the Arkansas Cast, And today we are continuing our series of the Arkansas Ag Hall of Fame inductee uh, interviews for the podcast. Today, I'm really honored to be joined by Ken McDonald. Uh, Ken, uh, somewhat of a unique perspective here. His grandfather, R.R. Reynolds, a legend in the Arkansas timber industry, uh, is uh, no longer with us. So Ken recently represented... Uh, Mr. Reynolds in the accepting of uh, the induction into the Ag Hall of Fame. Ken, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
0: No problem, Jason. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah. So, so happy to, so happy to have you here. Well, let's just kind of start with a couple of the basics. We've, we've had a conversation. Our goal, you know, is to have a conversation with each inductee. We've had a few of those continuing to have those conversations and it's been just so insightful. I've I've had the honor and pleasure of recording each one of those conversations. And, and I just, I love the history that I'm, that I'm taking in personally, but also the, the opportunity to honor and sort of catalog some of the experiences of these inductees. So we'll, we'll start by just noting your grandfather, Mr. R.R. R. Reynolds was director, longtime director over 30 years of the U.S. Forest Service, uh, Crossett experimental station. Uh, what were some of his duties or responsibilities there, um, simply?
0: Well, it started, you know, very early on. He was a- appointed the responsibility of actually, uh, you know, establishing that from, from the start, which was negotiating with Crossit Lumber Company where the site would be for the experimental station. And then once that was uh, chosen, he quickly got to work building the housing for the people that were going to be living on site and, and working day to day. You know, there had to be lo- roads that had to be laid out, um, and all of that work had to start before even the research could start. Which mm-hmm. the research was the the main focus um, for the for the experimental station and for Forest Service, um, because early on there was not a lot of research in southern pine management. Um, you know, to the point that this was this was very 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 early on in anybody's. Um, thought process that uh, the southern forest was anything more than uh, site a mill, cut everything within reach, load the mill up and go re it somewhere else and then cut everything that was in reach and, and continue that process. So, you know, what my grandfather was tasked to do was determine if there were management uh, strategies that these timber companies could employ would allow them to leave these mills on site long-term and that's that -hmm. was really what he set out to do um and and to to some degree what he did over the next 30 or 35 years
1: yeah so you talk about this being early on situate us in history here when he took on that role of 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 getting that station in place what what years are we talking
0: yeah, we're talking about the early 1930s. So,
1: wow.
0: uh, you know, we're, we, we come out of the Great Depression. Um, we're a little bit before World War II, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of the research that he was doing led us right through World War II and, and early on. So at that time, uh, logs were going to almost every mill in the United States via train. And were loaded on trains by by a horse or mule teams or hand loaded in some places. so very, very different than what we see today
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so that obviously, long time ago, what what was the we were talking nearly a century, I guess, I mean, what was the where was the stage of the Arkansas timber industry at that time? what was? Was it new, was, you know, had we been in the timber industry for a while? Were we fledgling? Were we, you know, was that a, a significant part as we know, especially the southern part of the state now?
0: I would say we were early on. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we it certainly, you know, it started earlier in the 1900s uh, and, and to some degree even before that with smaller, you know, Steam run mills and that kind of thing, but some of these larger mills, Crosscut Lumber Company, um, HD Toller, some of these guys had just come into play here um, because the wood basket was so vast and and mm. to some degree untapped. Um, so it was just ripe for the picking, and and some of these companies had come in and started to to recognize that and and take advantage of it. So but,
1: really starting to establish that industry
0: exactly exactly okay yeah yeah and then and again i mean early on uh, a lot of these mill owners were were focused on you know what are the raw materials like in the area and not the economics behind the way they did business um and that's really where my grandfather kind of stood out he uh, you know son of a banker he had a lot of math and analytic skills um that he leaned on and, and kind of self-taught to how to apply that to the forest industry. And he started working with these mills to validate the economics behind some of the decisions that they were making. And that's, that's kind of what he did throughout his career. We joke kind of within the, the family that we have a, you know, after my grandfather passed, my mom and And her brothers put together a complete volume set of all the research that was published, that he had published. And Mm -hmm. it's like seven volumes. Um, And we we joke about that being a good cure for insomnia because it's (laughs) extremely dry, uh, Mm -hmm. very data-driven, number-driven. The financials behind um, time and motion studies and, you know, the time it takes to skid logs to load them on a the truck to, to get that truck turned around and back to the mill. And then the cost of fuel and time, manpower, I mean, it's just, it's very dry, but it yeah. was so, uh, revolutionary at the time because nobody was thinking in those terms.
1: So let's talk about that for a minute. That's a, I'm, a, you, it's like you read my mind. So what's funny is Crosscut Lumber Company, sort of engage your grandfather here to figure out how to stay stay put uh, that's my interpretation right so we that's right we, we side a meal we put it up we cut everything within site uh we tear the meal down and move it and put it somewhere else and cut everything around site i mean that's a oversimplification but from for my uh simple purposes here but so they they actually challenge your grandfather. Hey, figure us, figure out how we can, you know, employ ma- management practices so we don't have to do this. We don't have to follow the same model, perhaps. But the funny thing is, is transportation movement was actually a large part uh, of your grandfather's uh, contributions, right? Mo- mobilizing real- temper. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know the whole the whole truck
0: process versus rail uh, and mm-hmm. and building. You know we still refer to them uh, being here in the industry in the south as as mainline roads. When you hear companies today, um, you know the warehouses and potlatch deltics talking about their mainline road system. Those a lot of many of those mainline roads were the old railroad lines.
1: Ah, uh, the okay. main
0: the the main railroad lines and. and Still today, you can get on gravel roads that will be straight for 10 miles. And the reason they're built that way is because they didn't have a lot of engineering to help <laughs> build curves in railroads. So they it a- less
1: efficient, I guess.
0: You know? Yeah, as straight as possible for as far as possible. And then they would build little spur rails off of that to act, you know, get the, the rail as close to the timber site as possible so the horses and mules didn't have as far to drag them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'd tear the little spurs up and move them somewhere else and tear them up again and move them somewhere else. And, uh, you know, just the inefficiency of that, I think, came to light um, when my grandfather got set up here and and he started to look at a better way to do it. And, you know, again, back then, there weren't log trucks. You, you couldn't go out and buy a log truck. That, that concept had to be built out and it took them finding old trucks, old farm trucks or whatever, and repurposing them with log stakes or some other kind of cable system once they got the log up there to bind them down so they wouldn't roll off and, and that kind of thing. So it, it really was, uh, you know, to some degree like reinventing the wheel just trying to, to build that out, which, you know, to me is just, it, it's kind of what America's built on, right? It's it's yeah. having that need, having that idea, and then going out and and working to accomplish it and, and prove that it works or prove that it doesn't work and you move on to the next idea. So that was, that's what he did for the early part of his career. And then it transitioned into more management uh, type stuff.
1: Right. So in that piece, you know, you, you, you spoke, uh about an aspect of your grandfather's history or his career um where he developed equations pardon me if i'm not using the the correct term um that that a timber company or or producer could go out and use and sort of make estimations on uh you you, do you mind to share a little bit about that
0: sure uh you know i I think what you're alluding to was a story I kind of told in my acceptance speech uh, when we got my grandfather's award. And, you know, the the story behind that was early on. Of course, my grandfather retired a year before I was born, but Mm -hmm. we kind of grew up in it. And and our whole family um, is kind of immersed in that forestry um, industry. Mm -hmm. But uh, my mom, you know, started school dropped out to be a stay at home mom. And then when I got old enough, I have two older sisters. She thought they could take care of me. She went back to get her forestry degree. And at some point I, I wasn't able to go to school. I don't know the circumstances, don't remember, but I went to school with my mom, sat in the back of some of her college courses. And one of her college courses was Mr. McCoy's class in forest mensuration, which is measurements and learning all those formulas that help you calculate timber volumes.
1: Yeah and um yeah, so, you know the story i wanted yeah
0: so you know uh i'm in the back of the class and mr mccoy writes a, a big long formula on the blackboard that looks like it's two feet long and starts challenging the class He wants to come solve it and after nobody steps up he calls on my mom specifically to ask if she wants to solve it and she's not prepared to solve it either <laughs> Then he jokingly calls on me. I'm 12 years old, sitting in the back of class. Been, you know, my mom's instructed me not to dare say a word or make a <laughs> make a peep. And, and I, I, you know, I'm sure I looked shocked and scared and trying to melt in my seat. But, you know, his comment was, "Geez, your grandfather developed this formula. Surely, you or your mom could come solve it." And, you know, that was really the first time at the age of 12 that I understood you know what my grandfather was doing uh you know down there on that experimental station and and why he was so passionate about it because mm-hmm. even after he retired um you know he was down there giving tours trying to help educate trying to keep the trying to keep it solvent to you know to be honest because the forest service had decided after he retired it was time to walk away from it and close it down and And he lobbied in for more than four years to get it opened back up and reactivated. So, um, but yeah, that's, you know, and and those formulas came out of research and measuring thousands and thousands of cut down logs to determine if a log is 18 inches at breast height, how tall is it going to be and what's the the tip diamond are going to be at any given height, you know, it's form class and, and taper equations that are still, those equations are still built in the framework of every timber cruise program that's been written wow. since.
1: That's amazing. Um,
0: yeah. So, you know, those equations don't change over time. Um, so that's, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. And it's, you know, it's a lot of people that live in the timber industry in South Arkansas or, you know, live around it, uh, even those that are immersed in it don't really understand the contributions of some of that research and, and how mm-hmm. it's it's timeless.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's an incredible testimony um, to know that those contributions being made so, fu- so long ago still have an importance it's not because we haven't evolved uh, beyond that or move beyond that it's because i mean that that like you said that data those equations whatever that may be you know we may call them an algorithm now or whatever it's still so relevant to that industry and it's just incredible to know that that contribution uh came from the state of arkansas and obviously a, a big reason why your grandfather was uh inducted into the arkansas ag hall of fame um right As we wrap up, I'm just curious, you know, you've talked about your mom, her following these footsteps. Um, You have also followed along in these, in your grandfather's footsteps, uh, working in this industry. Just what does that mean to you to have that opportunity to, to, you know, pursue the same passion, you know, in three generations now, and maybe beyond you
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually four. Okay. Um, my sister's son is a forester in uh, in Monticello. So it's we're four generations deep at this point. Nice. You know, my, my grandfather came out of Michigan, but some point in his career, he was asked by UAM to set up a forestry program or help establish what the curriculum should look like at UAM. And then shortly thereafter, he sent uh, two sons and a daughter through that program. Um, mm-hmm. And then me and now my nephew and my son's there now so oh wow goodness yeah we'll see but you know it 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 is phenomenal I mean I I think it it speaks to his passion and and love for it Uh, people ask me you know all the time um, people that and it's typically people that aren't familiar with forestry and I tell them that actually my degree is in wildlife biology um, but I took every forestry class that the school offered at the time because my mom was convinced that jobs for wildlife biologists were going to be few and far between. And she was right <laughs> because I ended up having to spend 20 years in the timber industry as a forester before I found a wildlife job that, that really funny. fit my desire. So, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it was his passion. People asked me when I started. Um, and I tell them 1975 and they always look at me like I'm crazy. But really, that's some of my first memories. Um, back then, <laughs> as a long time ago, back then you did half day kindergartens and, mm-hmm. and I they would hand draw you pick names and I got picked to do the morning session. So in the afternoons, uh, in the fall of the year, my grandfather also had a twenty-acre Christmas tree farm that was his hobby. Mm. So he'd go work in the woods all day, and then go home and work in the woods when he got home <laughs> on the Christmas tree farm. So in the afternoons, I would pull the a little red wagon around with, with the paint guns, and we would mark the base of the trees, which would identify what the price was going to be. You know, and back then it was seven dollars, ten dollars, or fourteen dollars, no, as opposed man. to. 125 to 150 now but so you know that I I jokingly say I started in forestry in in 1975 Um, I graduated college in 1995 so that'll give you give you some range but yeah it's just a huge you know for me it's it's a huge honor to continue the legacy and and, you know, I'm not doing anything as re- nearly as revolutionary as as what he was doing at the time, and and nor did my mom, but she still had the same passion for it, and and we all, you know, one thing that that Papa was adamant about was the passion about teaching people about the industry, um, because there's so many people that that kind of get a sense for it being there. You know, mm-hmm. the wood shows up for their homes and their furniture and and paper products and all that but they really don't understand it and what it takes to get that finished product out of the mill and and to a store shelf so um you know and and he spent a lot of time being an educator and and if you go back and read his research it really predominantly was timber management that was set for small non-industrial landowners so to help you know, someone that had 100 acres make it manage their land better. Um, now, timber industries, large private net land ownership, you know, the Georgia Pacifics at the time and I, international papers, they all picked up on it and mm-hmm. used it. But that really wasn't what he was setting out to do. It was really set out to help, which is what the federal government should be doing, is helping non-industrial landowners be better and mm-hmm. be more financially stable and financially um, profitable from their land base and that that's what a lot of that was yeah. was set to do and that whole education theme my mom did it uh, you know running junior naturalist programs working every weekend trying to get kids outdoors and teach them about the industry and, and that kind of thing and um, and that's and to you know we still do that now i I do a lot of intern programs with colleges and, and taking like, taking field trips with forestry students and that kind of thing. And that's, that's really, um, the family legacy that, that I appreciate the most.
1: Yeah. Well, it's certainly, a a legacy that is a uh, remarkable for the state. And, um, you know, I know your grandfather is, we, as we've talked about, is no longer with us, but, um, Sincere thanks to him, the contributions that he's made for uh so many generations, uh, you know, beyond beyond his, um, you know, to to create a you know, a a great forestry and timber industry uh, you know, in the state now. And it's just it's really incredible to see. It was an honor to hear you share his story at the um induction ceremony. Certainly an honor to talk about it again today and, and share it with a broader audience and just really, Ken, want to tell you thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and um, you know certainly hope we can call on you again the next time we have a you know a question about about trees.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I appreciate the opportunity uh, again. You know, any any chance to speak about timber and, and wildlife and, and that kind of things, it, it's exciting to me. So anytime, I'd love to love awesome. to be back on.
1: Awesome.